Good evening and welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by the Freedom's Path Recovery Society. We are not affiliated with any 12-step fellowship, nor do we wish to propose only one solution. We understand how different solutions can greatly increase an individual's chance of survival. We hope to illuminate some of the recovery process by sharing as many human stories as we can. Why, you might ask, to show that we can and do build stable lives from a former state of chaos, desperation, and hopelessness. Our stories become our strength. Please remember that any and all opinions shared and heard are those of the individuals and not a reflection of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other entity. So regardless of how crappy or wonderful our opinions might be to you, they still remain opinions, nothing more. You might hear swearing adult themes and situations, as well as the tragedies humans face and walk through every day. It is not suitable for children unless they are accompanied by a parent or guardian or have the explicit permission of those individuals. So welcome, Chris. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So tell us about yourself. Um, let's see. Um, I was born in BC, um, in Richmond, BC. And uh, my, my biological father, um, he had left when I was one. Um, so it was me and my mother growing up. Um, I'm an only child, um, and my grandma helped raise me as well, so she's kind of a second mom. Um, I moved around a ton. Um, I lived in Vancouver, Vancouver Island, England, um, Edmonton, Calgary, and back and forth between all those So places. how did England get mixed into, like, the... The, the Canada, Canada thing. Yeah. Um, my mom and my grandma are born in England. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, in London, England. So, um, so they're English. And uh, my biological father, he was born in Vietnam somewhere. So um, I'm half Vietnamese and half English. Um, hmm. Let's see. That's interesting. Yeah. That's, a, that's quite a like, mix. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, People, like, they meet me and they think I'm Native um, mm-hmm. automatically, so they're a little shocked when they, they hear I'm part Vietnamese. Um, let's see. Um, so growing up, um, just me and my mom, and uh, when I was about 10 years old, um, I went to elementary school here in Calgary, and uh, I, I would play with these three kids all the time at my school. And I, I didn't really know them, their names and everything. And a week later, I found out that they're my half brothers and half sister, um, who I just ended up at school with and meeting that way. Um, and then found out my biological father lived a couple blocks down from me oh, wow. with his kids. Um, and so I got to meet my, my dad then, um, and he stuck around for about a year, um, and then he kind of left me and the other kids again, and uh, today I don't, know, I don't know where he is, nobody knows where he is or anything like that. Um, I stayed in touch with my half-sister and my half-brothers, um, we became very, very close. Uh, they live in Toronto now, though. Um, and then my mom met my stepdad um, at around 12, um, who I did not get along with. I was very jealous because it was just me and my mom. Yeah. And now kind of all the attention was going to this guy that I didn't really like. Um, and we butted heads a lot. And um, so moving forward, um, becoming a young teenager and stuff. Um, I had major issues with my stepdad. We didn't like each other. We fought all the time. And, um, and that was when, that was around the time that I took my first drink. Um, and it was, I had cold schlager. Um, What's that? It's like it's a it's a hard liquor that tastes like cinnamon. Oh. And it has like little gold specks in it. 
Really? Yeah. And uh, I thought it was really fancy. And I was like, ooh, like, let's try this because it's so fancy. And um, me and my friend, we found it in a box in my parents' basement and uh, decided to try that. And, like, straight away, like, I was hooked, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, um, I liked the way it made me feel. And uh, I think, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, who are, who, who are alcoholics. And uh, uh, from then on, I just continued drinking and, you know, hung out with people that drank and did the same things that I did. And um, during that time, um, I, I started to have um, really bad feelings towards myself. Uh, like I, I didn't like myself. I hated myself, and um, you know, my like my stepdad was really hard on me, really, really hard on me, and uh, and so it just made me hard on myself as well, I guess. Um, and uh, I started, I started cutting and stuff like that, um, and isolating from my family and. You know, I would just lock myself in my bedroom and just, you know, disappear from the world. And I was really depressed and um, went down like a deep, a deep, dark depression, I guess. Um, and then I had a couple attempts of suicide um, along with the drinking, right? And the drinking obviously didn't help it just made it all worse but I didn't know that at the time um so I um my mom and my stepdad decided to put me into the children's hospital um in their psych ward and at the children's hospital it's a lot different than at the adult hospital um and I was I was a teenager, right? And I was grouped with all these really young kids, like 10 years old, 12 years old. And it was kind of all about like teaching you how to have manners and stuff like that. And, and I, I just felt like I didn't belong there because, you know, these were kids that just kind of talked back to their parents and, um, needed to learn manners and responsibility and I, I didn't feel I needed that like I needed something more right um, and I hated my I hated my mom for putting me there like I was there for a couple of weeks and uh, and then I got out and and it just made things worse between me and my mom and my dad and kind of um, resenting them a lot for doing that and so I got more heavy into drinking um, and then over the years I just you know was partying all the time like every night um, and then getting into drugs as well and finding drugs um, I, you know it was another thing that I was like oh I love the way this makes me feel like and it just makes me forget about my life makes me forget about how shitty I feel inside and how shitty I feel about the outside world and everything. And so I got really caught up in all of that um, for a long, long time. Um, and then, you know, dating the wrong guys and like drug dealers and then, you know, just like it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Um, and you know, I definitely hurt my parents a lot um, doing all of that. Um, and at the time, like I knew that I was hurting the people I loved, but I didn't care because I just wanted to drink more than anything else. Like I didn't give a crap about anybody but myself and, and the drinking and the using and stuff like that. Um, so um, a few more, year, more years passed and um, I, I started, I got really depressed again, um, really bad, like the worst it's ever been and uh, started cutting again and all that stuff and 
Um, and then I, I took a, a whole bunch of sleeping pills and drank like a whole bottle of tequila or something. And I was like, I was done, right? I was like, that's it. Like, I don't want to feel the way I feel anymore. Um, and I was on the phone with a friend while I was doing it and, you know, crying. And I was telling her that this is what I was doing. And then I passed out while I was on the phone with her. And uh, so she called my parents and my parents came home and they found, they thought I was dead. They found me on the floor and uh, they had to call the ambulance and everything. Um, and I, you know, I almost, I almost died. And, um, and then, so back to the hospital and back to the psych ward again at, at the adult hospital this time. And, um, and uh, it, it was a lot different. Um, and, and I was seeing a psychologist while I was there and um, it was the first time I ever heard of AA. Um, you know, and, and, and it kind of sparked something in me like, oh, you know, like that sounds like a good idea. Um, but what I thought it like AA was, was that it was just a bunch of old men, like, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all I thought it was. Right. And so, you know, I was like, okay, well, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, but, um, I'm, I'm glad I heard about it. Right. And, uh, and kind of the seed was planted of that anyways, and it was just on my mind, right? Um, and I met, I met this really old man in the psych ward. Um, he's quite old, really old, and he was really odd. He was a strange fellow, and uh, I, I got along with him really well, and um, we had like this this connection, like this kind of this weird friendship. And uh, he would always want to go out into the parking lot of the hospital and march, like he'd want to walk around and march in the sun. And I thought it was weird. And everybody looked at him right, like he was so strange. Um, but I did it with him because it made him feel good. And like that was the first time in a long time that I felt um, happy, I guess, without, without drinking or using. And, um, and I never, I'll never forget that man because it was just, it, he brought a feeling to me that I never felt for a long time, right? And uh, so I got out of there and um, I, you know, I swore up and down to my parents, no, I'm done, I'm done drinking, I'm, I'm done using, like, I can't do it anymore, right? And and that was the truth. Like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to. Um, but then I got invited out and I was like, yeah, I can go and I don't have to drink. I'm like, that's fine, like, I'll be okay, right? Three days later, I like my parents are calling the cops because they can't find me. And, you know, I just, it just like, it just had a hold on me like the, the alcohol did. Um, and then after that, I was like, I'm done. Like, I've gone too far. Like, you know, I'm promising people that I'm not going to do it, but I've been breaking those promises now. So, um, so I went to my first AA meeting um, in Chestermere because um, that's that's where I lived at the time, and uh, it was it it was what I needed. Like I I found people and I found somewhere that I felt like I belonged finally, and that understood what I was going through. Right, like they, they understood the pain of everything. I felt like it, um, and everybody was so nice, like so so nice. And and, uh, and since then, um, I, I never looked back. You know, I just um, kept going to meetings, and you know, did everything that I was told to do. <laughs> um, She's the first one to ever 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be the first one to ever do everything that she was told to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I don't know. It, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. Like I am like, and I've never used those words grateful before going into AA, like, because I, I didn't really understand what I should be grateful for. Um, but I do now and, um, and I'm grateful that I found AA and, um, you know, and doing the work and everything and it's kept me sober now for, for four years. Oh, congratulations. So thank you. Yeah. It just passed last month, last nice. month. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Congrats. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. So it's, uh, uh, I, I don't know, like, I don't know, I think I would be dead um, if I didn't get sober, I really do, whether it was like alcohol, the using, or myself, right? Um, so, um, so sobriety has been, it's been amazing, but it's been hard, <laughs> like, of like, of course it's been hard, right? It's learning to live your life every day without without drinking and without even thinking about it um, and I didn't think that I could live that way at all um, you know and uh, so well <laughs> vaccine I did everything that I was told to do I guess that's that's a lie because, <laughs> because like every everybody says like do not date in your first year right and uh, I was like, yeah, I won't. Like, that's not what I'm looking for. Like, I'm here to, you know, get my shit together, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, and I met Steven um, when I was one month sober. And he was about four months, I think. And um, they're perfect for each other. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, Wait, um, it wasn't a fairy tale after that? No. Oh my goodness. Oh no, there's right. more. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> it it's not a fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, we met and we just uh became friends. Um and I started working for him. Um he has a painting company and you know, and we hung out every day all the time and uh and we just you know, we, we grew to love each other and um, and we've also like uh, like Stephen has helped me a lot in my sobriety. Like um, there are a lot of things that I don't know how I would have made it through, I guess, without him because there have been some really hard times where like where I have felt depressed in sobriety and you know I'm kind of like what am I doing with my life and then I get hard on myself and you know like I mean, sometimes I've gone to dark places in sobriety right and um but Stephen has been there and you know helped me get through it and, and vice versa um so he's been a big part of my sobriety as well um and uh and you is too yeah, yeah yeah like yeah we both we both have helped each other a lot um but we've also we've also uh put each other through some shit too you know like um but that's life like it just that happens um but uh anyways um what else um yeah things with my family now are amazing um like with my stepdad yeah. um we have a great relationship like an amazing loving relationship now mm -hmm. um and i didn't think that i would have that with him either um you know where i don't i don't hate him and i don't resent him for anything and you know i i love him now as a dad like he is my dad um and and you know everything with my family is is back on track you know and um and they're really proud of like how far i've come and um you know they say that they see in me like all the changes 
like it's hard for me to see it like really hard because a lot of times like almost weekly I'm like I don't think I'm changing at all right um but my family is like they're like you are just like this totally different woman from before and uh and it feels good to to have that you know so I bet it does yeah so how do you like now that you're sober and you've been sober for a couple of years, a few years I guess, four is a few, I think. A few, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that qualifies as I a think. few. <laughs> um, like how do you how do you find coping with depression now in sobriety? Like what do you do? And and just to, if you could take if you can go back and think about when you were when you were cutting, mm -hmm. right? Like because I know different people have different reasons mm -hmm. in their mind right mm -hmm. so like i don't, I don't know because i there's probably young people out there that cut yeah and and i know i know there are and i know there's probably some that might listen right like, mm -hmm. like how how do you how do you cope with that now um now like oh man well well one um like i i've been seeing a psychologist for about two and a half years now on a regular basis. So she's helped a lot um, with certain things. And um, I just, I don't, like, I, I step back, I guess, when, like, when I, when I see that I'm going into, like, kind of a hole, um, I step back and, you know, I think about my time and my sobriety and, like, how far I actually have come and, and, you know, I think about like the moment I felt before sobriety and I never want to feel that way again. And that's what, what keeps me going, I guess. Um, you know, and, and I know it's like, uh, it's like, you know, it's silly, I guess, but like, I breathe. Like, sometimes you just, yeah, you just have to like take a moment and just breathe deeply um and something else that's been helping me recently is yoga um so the breathing in yoga and stuff yeah. like that like it calms me um and kind of grounds me and brings me yeah. back to where i am right now instead of like going you know into a, a dark place mm -hmm. um <laughs> excuse me <clears throat> but they're like i remember a couple years ago um, I, I was really depressed and, and, you know, I did have the thoughts of like, of cutting and I was like, I just, I just want to cut because for me, it was because it felt better than the way I was feeling. And I know that sounds weird, right? Um, it makes sense to me because I have depression as well. So like trying to articulate it for others to understand. Yeah. Um, it just like because I when I feel crappy, mm -hmm. I don't know how to let out those feelings and how to express them or like where to put them. Mm -hmm. So cutting was a way for me to just get it out, I guess, mm -hmm. and it just felt better than anything else. But now I I know that that doesn't make things better, right? Um, I. Sometimes I need to just like call my mom mm -hmm. yeah. and and cry and be like, Mom, like I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling really shitty and down. And I just need someone to listen to how I'm feeling, right? Just so I can get it out instead of bottling everything up because that's what I was so used to doing. So I don't know. I don't know if that would help. But no, that, that's very helpful. <laughs> well, I mean, the idea is, is like, if there's kids and other and other people who they just may not understand why people don't cut, mm -hmm. right? like why, like what about that is reasonable in the mind of someone who's depressed? Well, because the physical pain feels way better, mm -hmm. like way better than the emotional. Yeah, right? yeah. Especially if we slip into the abyss, right? Like once I don't know about yourself, but like once, even if I'm as careful as I can be with prayer and all that kind of breathing and all that stuff. I can still go into the abyss, right? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like what a psychologist told me years ago was, you cannot breathe your way out of a 
clinical depression do? You have to know there's there's certain things. So obviously there's differences in depression. We've got a culture that talks about being depressed all the time, mm -hmm. um, and and that's not un, that's not untrue necessarily, but that's not the same thing as having depression, right? Like so, being depressed and getting sad, those things are things that everyone has to deal with, right? Yeah. However, as most, I don't know if it's still the same anymore, but I believe it's like if the symptoms persist for like three to six months or so on and so forth, and you have a certain combination of symptoms, well, then it's more of a likely chemical imbalance, right? Mm -hmm. Where a chemical imbalance isn't going to be solved solely by one thing, no. right? Usually there's more than one thing, yeah. as you described, right? Like you, you both a psychologist. Mm -hmm. um, talk to your mom if you have to. Like, I'm sure you could talk to Stephen too. Yeah. Probably. Like, yeah. the people you trust, right? Yeah. And and are you finding that that is like oh, really helping alleviate some of that pressure to cut or to self harm? Um. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, um. At first, at first, I I couldn't see how it would help. Mm -hmm. Right. Um. But over time, like everything takes time, right? And you just, you have to be persistent with what you're doing. Um, and so over the time, and you just keep on doing what I was doing, it does get better. Um, and before, like I, I would have never thought that things got better, yeah. right? But, but they do, and you just need to be patient with yourself. Um, and that's something I've learned too, is like, I. I have to be very patient with myself because I'm not, I'm like, I want results right now. Like if I'm doing something, I want to see the change, right? Like right away. But if I'm not, then I kind of get upset and I start thinking, well, it's not working, mm -hmm. but it does work, Yeah. you know? Um, and also recently, like three months ago, um, like I, I have really bad anxiety as well, social anxiety which was stopping me from um, trying to attend school or going to doctor's appointments, like doing anything outside of my house. Yeah. And uh, I, I went on an anti-anxiety med. And, um, and I know some people, right, in, in sobriety are against, you know, going on medication. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about stuff like that. They don't have to go. Yeah. <laughs> they can stop. They can not take their meds all yeah, the time. Yeah. yeah. But for myself, like, there was no harm in just trying it, right? And seeing how it works. And uh, and and I'm like, I'm, I, I feel way different than than three months ago. Like, I'm, I'm going to attend school now, and I'm going to all my doctor's appointments, and I'm talking to more people than I used to. And... Um, and it's also helped with um, with being happy as well with everything, right? Um, and being calmer with things. So you know, medication too, like is it, it's helped me anyway. Yeah. So and it's a part of the deal for lots of us, right? Because mm -hmm. it helps me too. Yeah, to be honest with you, and that's why I kind of rolled my eyes when you were talking about well, there's some people who think I'm like who cares? I know, right? Because the truth is, if you can't function. What's the point, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. if a person can't leave, if you can't leave your house, what's the point? Yeah. Right. You yeah. can't go to school and do the things you really want to do. Uh, and that's exactly what my doctor said to me. Right? It was like, well, first of all, I went in and when I finally agreed that I would take medication, <laughs> I went in and told him these exact words were, were if you don't help me, I'm going to leave here and probably take my life. Those are my exact words to him, and. I had been fighting it for so long, mm -hmm. you know, taking the meds because of the same reason. And it was probably, it was over 10 years that I was sober and clean before I agreed to take medication for my depression and anxiety. Because sometimes the flip side of the depression is the manic, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, um, I just, there's lots of, so I'm glad that you did, really. I mean, I'm glad you worked it out with a doctor, right? Because, yeah. Like people will, stay miserable and, and not really want to address the reasons why, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know about you, but I didn't want to acknowledge that my brain was different. I, yeah, I didn't want to right? either. Yeah. Like, because it just, I felt like that would just separate me from everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. 
And also like I, with everyone, with a lot of people talking about, oh, well, not uh, taking medication is wrong. I felt like, okay, well, well, people look at me differently than if I do it. And I used to care so much of what people thought I was doing, but people really don't care. Like, does anybody you know, even pay attention? No, they don't. <laughs> they're, they're, they're thinking the same thing you are. Exactly. And yeah, and yeah. they're involved with themselves, right? That's right? So I was like, well, I'm just going to do it then because mm. I can't not live my life. Yeah. Just because of one thing. Yeah. So. Seriously, and I mean, like, if the if the alternative is taking your life, like the que the question then becomes. How could you not want people to take meds if the alternative is they take their life? Mm -hmm. like, it, and this is still, so as a social worker, this has been the majority of my career, right? Like when people are like, well, I don't want to get medicated. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. I get it. None of us want to be over-medicated, really. Mm -hmm. Well, some of us probably. <laughs> um, but for the most part, right, your average person, we don't want to get over. No. We just want to be able to function. Yeah. Right. And so if if I need a serotonin replacement or something like that in order for me to be just even, just so I can start off at the same place as other people, well then so be it. That's what mm -hmm. we want to do, right? Yeah. Because and frankly, I mean we could talk about this subject all night oh, because yeah. being around the rooms for a few years, like you become very acutely aware of a couple of things. Right? And mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't want to slag anybody because this is just, I think, evolution of culture. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's the evolution of the culture at large, but also the subculture that we might be a part of. Yeah. Is more information becomes available, and as more information, because over the last 10 years, science and biology and all these things have made leaps and bounds forward mm -hmm. that they could not have thought would be possible. Right? They yeah. probably never even imagined a world where you have your entire life in a thousand dollar piece of equipment that you put in your pocket. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. can you imagine like the two founders of, of AA, for example, sitting down and going, well, you know, Dr. Bob, <laughs> one day you can diagnose yourself on yeah. your cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, and I know that there's still lots of hardliners that say, well, yeah, but the information hasn't changed, but the truth is it has changed. It has, though, yeah. yeah. Like, dramatically. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. and, um, so, anyway, I'm glad to hear that. So, what else was I going to ask you? Yeah. Okay, we can talk for a minute. Okay. This happens all the time. <laughs> like, mid-sentence. Yeah. That happens to me, too. There's, like, squirrels and puppies <laughs> in here. Like, you know, like Homer Simpson when it's springtime, like in his yeah. head, it's like flowers, butterflies. <laughs> well, that's all I got. <laughs> so you're, you've got a, um, give you a kidney because your kidney's dying. So yeah. everyone out there who has a kidney to donate, sign up and donate the kidney. Yeah. So tell us, tell us about that. How did that happen? Like, um, so it's. Uh, it's very, very rare, actually. Um, so I have polycystic kidney disease, um, which I was born with, and neither of my parents have it, and nobody in my family has it. Nobody. Um, so it's rare to be born with it. Um, I have no... Yeah, yeah. No genetic. Yeah. So when I was about... I don't know, a couple months old or something. Um, the doctors said that I probably wouldn't make it until like till I was three years old even um, because of my polycystic kidney disease. Um, but there I am. <laughs> and uh, my, my whole life I knew that the day would come where my kidneys would shut down and I would need a transplant and I would need to go on dialysis and all that stuff. Um, and now that time has come, which is a little nerve wracking. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, so obviously like the drinking and the drug use did not help at I all. I can't see how it would. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I'm no scientist. <laughs> Um, so what polycystic kidney disease is, is I have cysts 
large cysts all over both of my kidneys. Um, and both of my kidneys are the size of footballs almost. So they're very enlarged. Um, only one of my kidney works right now at 11%. Uh, you have 11% use of your kidneys? Yes. Yeah. So I, um, I, I feel really fatigued and tired all the time. I have no energy. Um, I get a ton of nosebleeds. I'm in and out of the hospital. Um, I get blood transfusions. Like it's kind of at you know the end mark now, where you know I'm not doing so good. <laughs> um, so when my kidneys go to seven percent, that's when they'll put you on dialysis, and and then they'll put you on a list for a kidney. So I'm not even on a list yet. Oh, you're not on a list. No. Um, the healthcare system, it doesn't work that way. So, which to me is absurd. And So they want to wait till you're 7% because then they know for sure you're okay. Yeah, they want to wait until you are physically on dialysis before they put you on a list. Um, so that to me was like, Holy crap. Like, shocking, yeah. Yeah. Um, and like I know I know people who have been on dialysis for up to 25 years and haven't gotten a kidney yet, right? But that's also because they're not like being proactive about it. Um and and I and I would like to be. So that that's why I started the Facebook page, mm -hmm. right? You know, if, um my family has been tested and they can't do it. Um, Steven has been tested, uh, he can't do it. So, so now we're just kind of reaching out to mm -hmm. other people where we can. Um, and then last month I had surgery on my arm to get what's called a fistula for dialysis. So what it is, is they stitch together your vein and your artery and make one huge kind of vein. And so now I have this huge vein and blood is going both ways in the same vein. Really? Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. I, I can't even like, my brain can't even I know. imagine it. <laughs> yeah. I can't even see it. <laughs> so what's the purpose of that? Like so that's for dialysis. So, um, so I'll be doing, there's all different kinds of dialysis. Mm -hmm. And I'll be doing what's called home hemodialysis. So I'll have the machine set up at my house. Um, and at nighttime, before I go to bed, I give myself an, a needle into that huge artery. Um, and then another needle in the top part of that huge artery. And then I'll be connected to the machine all night. And it cleans my blood while I'm sleeping. And then in the morning, I take it out and I do that every night. Every day? Every night, yeah. Okay. Yeah, every day. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. So. And, and like, you're you're not old. No, I'm uh, I'm 33. Yeah, like, yeah. You're, yeah, not even close. Like, no. So, fuck, sorry, my brain. No, it's okay. I, I've never <laughs> even imagined a world where a 33-year-old woman who's in reasonable shape yeah. would need a kidney. I know. Right? Like, but you know what? Like I, we've obviously had that since you were born. Mm -hmm. How was it growing up? Like, did, did you find that that contributed to your depression? Like, um, it. I think looking back, I think mm -hmm. that it did because now, um, like my kidney specialist and all my other specialists, they say that um, my kidneys are affecting my emotional state. Mm -hmm. So looking back, I, I do think so, right? I would imagine, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so because of the, the kidney disease, um, it caused a lot of other health issues. Um, where when I was about 12, um, I started throwing up blood, like crazy amounts of blood, and I was internally bleeding really bad. My, my spleen was enlarged. And uh, they put rubber bands around my spleen um, to kind of hold it 
together. Like that's the best they had, or um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I know pants. it was it was that or remove my spleen. Mm -hmm. But because the bleeding was so intense, they didn't want to remove it, and I just kind of bleed out, yeah. right? Um, and so over like my whole life, I've had a lot of internal bleeding problems. Um, I also have uh, overactive thyroid. So I have thyroid disease, which I'm getting that removed in the next couple of months. So another surgery. Um, and then it, it causes low blood platelets. Um, so I've had like blood platelet transfusions, which are different than blood transfusions. So you've had blood transfusions and blood platelets? Yeah, blood platelet transfusions. Um, and then for my spleen, because I was still bleeding, um, they did a surgery where they took my jugular vein out of my neck and they put it in my stomach attached to my spleen really? so the blood had somewhere to go. Yeah. Holy crap. Just so everyone out there realizes, this isn't a tape recording. Like, there's actually a human sitting here telling us about this. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm imagining right now people are like, I'm pretty sure that person's dead. <laughs> you think? Seriously. So how did they pull the jugular out of your neck and put it in your Um, I know. Have to explain so that. I do have, like the scar. Okay. Yeah. Is here. Yeah. So I don't really know. Like they just removed it and attached it to my spleen and I don't know somewhere else. Wow. Maybe my liver. I don't yeah. know. Um, and then, yeah, so they did that. Um, You're a fucking miracle, eh? Like, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. Okay. <laughs> you are. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's like my whole life. I've, I've spent most of my life in and out of hospitals. Mm -hmm. Um, and my mom, like, my mom is like so strong to, like have have raised me and like she's always been there at the hospital with me all the time right and uh i i've also had leg lengthening and shortening done on both of my legs all right i'm out i, I don't know. know i know seriously like, so okay so one thing at a time I know. okay so you've had leg lengthening and shortening and right? shortening so how do they lengthen the leg so, okay, so first, when I was born, um, my femur, I was born with a broken femur, and they didn't realize it until I was in, like, grade three, where my teacher told my mom that I walked like a duck, and I limped really bad, I guess, mm -hmm. but we didn't know it because we were so used to it. Because you'd already always had it. Yeah, um, and my leg was actually, like, two inches shorter than my other one. So I, I had to wear one of those stupid built-up shoes. Oh, yeah, the platform shoe. Yeah. yeah. Oh. oh, man, it was so yeah, horrible. Like, as a girl, too. Eh? I know. Like, it was so embarrassing. Oh. <laughs> um, so then they, they, uh, they did the surgery. So they, they shortened my one leg. My left leg. So they shortened it by cutting some bone off? I'm yeah, assuming. they shortened it by cutting some bone off. Okay. And they put a pole, a metal pole, in my leg. Mm -hmm. um, and and I was in a cast from my, my chest all the way down to my ankle. So my mom had to, like, do everything for me. <laughs> for she had time. to, like, roll you around on, like, a Hannibal Lecter dolly kind of thing so you could stand straight or... Yeah, like, I was laying down all the time. Yeah. She carried me, like, while I was just, like, flat. And Your she, mom's like, intense, too. I know. And, like, had to help me go to the bathroom all the time oh. in the middle of the night and everything. Yeah. Um, so they did that, and then... Um, I was on I was on crutches and I fell down the stairs and I bent the pole in my leg. Oh, all the metal in my back just like <laughs> shocked me. Okay, so you bent the pole in your leg. Yeah. So they had to do a surgery to remove it. Yep. Now, um, and then they did a they did the surgery on my right leg to lengthen it a bit. Um, and put pins and everything like that in there. 
Oh. So I did a lot of homeschooling. I bet. Yeah. Jeez. So, Kat, you can know what to say now. <laughs> so you've had your legs lengthened. Have you ever had your leg lengthened? I didn't even know you could lengthen the leg, man. Like, fuck, unless you're a robot or something. No. <laughs> so, okay, so you you went through all this stuff. So I'm imagining, like, on a normal day, like, do you feel like a chronic pain? Is there pain associated with this? Um, Obviously, when you broke your, when they had yeah. to adjust your height by well, extending your fucking legs, that probably hurts. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, a nor so a normal day for me is like, is, is pretty lazy because I'm so low energy mm. all the time. Yeah. Um, and fatigued and stuff. Like, so... Um, I had to stop working like a while, a few months ago, I stopped working yeah. because of everything. Um, and my, my job basically was just to go to all my doctor's appointments, tests mm -hmm. and look after myself. Um, and I just stay at home and like, you know, do the laundering, cleaning and stuff and all that so but recently actually um i i tried to go back to work for like half days to see how i would feel um and i can't do everything that i used to do at work but i can do most things um but i like one day of half day of work i'm i'm bagged like i am just i come home and i sleep i'm just done yeah it's like I can't do anything else. Yeah, but you mentioned school. Are you are you signed up to go back? Or? Um, not yet. So I'm. I've been studying um, some university math right now because I'm going to take the the test at Mount Royal to see where I'm at mm -hmm. first, um, and then and then go from there and cool. hopefully attend for fall. What are you interested in? Um. Oh. Interested in uh, a whole bunch of things, yeah. so I don't have really one thing. Do you have any but, idea as to where you're um, kind of leaning? I like. I'm interested in biology, um, environmental studies, or like studying animals, mm -hmm. or studying like rocks and stuff like that. Like a geologist kind of. Thing? Yeah. yeah. Um, studying something. Mm -hmm. I would just like, and I love animals. I'm a huge animal person. Mm -hmm. Um, like my dream would be to own a farm and be like this massive vet that can help all animals heal and get back to the wild. Yeah. That would be my dream. Cool. Well, I hope that if that's your dream, I hope that you work towards that. Me too. Yeah. Cause life is short. I know. Right. Well, yeah, you know better than me. It's <laughs> <Yeah>, short. <laughs> yeah. now, now I'm like, hmm, maybe I'm running out of time. I got to do this stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess on, on one hand, that's probably not a bad thing mm -hmm. to be like, to feel that pressure. A little yeah. Bit. Yeah. Cause I think lots of people get lulled into that sense that we've got lots of time mm -hmm. and we, we know that we don't. Yeah. Right. Like, and then of course, when you go through so many tribulations, you're probably acutely aware that we don't have all the time in the world. No, we don't. But like, I, I mean, to be honest, like I, I lived most of my life just not doing much with my life, like because a lot of it was because my anxiety, because I was too scared yeah. to do anything. Right. So. All these things that I wanted to do and be, I just, I never even tried because I was too scared, yeah. you know? Um, but now, like, and because of like, this medication that I'm yeah. on, I'm like, I'm starting to do some things that, and I'm, I'm like, holy shit, I can do something. Like, yeah. so it's kind of a new awakening, I guess. That, like, That's awesome. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, and anyone who has, like, an argument against a human taking medication in order to, like, live their best life, like, I don't get the argument. I know. But mm -hmm. and, and maybe there isn't really an argument. Maybe mm -hmm. it's just us who we've experienced this kind of, like, 
really strange dogma yeah. regarding meds. Like, yeah. But I can't. I just can't find an argument for it, man. When it when it helps you, like it pushes a person towards their dream, like, mm -hmm. even if it's just an inch towards it. Yeah. That's an inch you couldn't have gone. Yeah. Maybe right. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you're doing something more, right? And like I I look back and I'm like, I, part of me wishes like I wish I got from this medication mm -hmm. sooner because I could be so much further. Mm -hmm. But I'm also like, it's better late than never, right? Like, at least I'm doing it now, and yeah. that's all that matters. Yeah. So That's awesome. Yeah. Because, you know, I was always a fan. Like, if, I always thought if, if professional athletes, if they were all just allowed to do steroids, I'd be like, that's fine. <laughs> Let them all do steroids. Because these awesome athletes are going to be even better yeah. when they're all jacked up. Right? Oh, yeah. And if they kill each other, that's their business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't really feel like it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. I, but I also think that it's a big deal when it starts to be harmful. Right? Yeah. Then it starts to become more problematic. So obviously I'm joking about the steroids thing. Mm -hmm. But if there's like a nutrition... Thing that's bad, but it's actually healthy or natural. Like, I, I don't get it. I don't see why not. Mm -hmm. But then again, it's kind of like I know people like yourself and like myself who, if it wasn't for medication, maybe not you, you so much. I won't speak for you, but I know people that without the medication, we would literally be dead. Mm -hmm. Like, there's there's no alternative, right? Like, yeah. And even with medication, there's still the constant sometimes ideations yeah right that, oh, for sure yeah maybe without i don't know about yourself like with the medication i just don't feel the extra oomph of that of those ideations mm -hmm. which is what i used to feel every day yeah right was and it's a battle just not to take my life mm -hmm. right yeah so you might be i don't know if you can relate to that. oh no for sure like it was always it was always a battle within myself right against myself all the time and and now it's just i don't even have to think about that no yeah it's kind of neat yeah. yeah yeah good for you i'm glad well because you've got all this stuff going on too right like mm -hmm. with the help and i i like how do you you can't get away from it right because the one no. thing is connected to the other mm -hmm. you know? yeah yeah it was like Especially like when it came to my health and stuff, um, I think that played a big part in my depression and my not wanting to live at times mm -hmm. as well. Because yeah, a lot of times I would say to my my mom or or Stephen even like, "What's the point? Like, what's the point if I'm gonna die anyway soon? And like I have all these health problems and." And, you know, that's my only job is to, like, go to doctors. Like, you know, I, I just, I didn't understand it. And I just was like, what's the point of living it? Because my whole life just revolved around my health, right? But now I don't look at it that way anymore, Yeah, which is nice. That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you're doing some things that are helping you. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and not much talking about that's obviously there's a combination of yeah and, and i know lots of people just like shut down with the, the mention of medication as though that's the only thing that we need to do right and to cope is not that no right like um and i honestly like after hearing obviously even just a bits of the surgeries you've had to have i'm sure there's probably like two dozen more surgeries you've had that you just aren't going to talk about because well they yeah. were just talking. We'd probably be here all night. <laughs> yeah, although yeah. that'd be okay, right? Because for honestly, to like, I'm just sitting here blown away by the fact that you're like fucking talking, walking miracle, right? Like, and do you still have metal in your leg? No, I don't. You took it out. Yeah. Yeah. So the bone fused together, and yeah. yeah. So everything's everything's done. No metal. Like if I didn't if I didn't bend that pole. I'd, I'd still have that. Yeah. I think. But you must have done something to get that pull. Oh god. Yeah, just like I remember it too, like on the crutches and instead of putting my crutches down first, I put my foot down oh, first and man. I just went oh. just down the whole stairs. Yep. 
Did you do like a face scan down? Oh yeah, it was yeah. just, it was really bad. Oh, like, poor thing, man. <laughs> you just see like the doctor or the nurse in the operating room trying to bend the bar straight oh, again. Man. It was bad. Jeez. Yeah. We, uh, we actually, we got to keep the pole. Did you? Yeah. Um, I don't know where it is now. Maybe my mom got rid of it, but we kept it for it. a bit. Yeah. I hope she saved that thing. Your mom sounds like a hell of a person. She is. Yeah, yeah she is. Oh, man. Yeah. You tell her. If she ever wants to tell her story, man, her version of things, you oh, just tell man. her. You direct her to us. I know. I, like, I remember, um, like, I, I was... Um, I was with someone who had health problems as well a while back and uh, we were at the hospital quite a bit for them and I was like I was really frustrated and I was like crying because it was just a lot right and it wasn't me that was in the hospital so I call my mom and I'm bawling and I'm like, mom, I just want to say thank you for all the times you've been at the hospital with me because this is so hard. Oh shit. <laughs> you know, and like that was like a big realization of like all the shit that she did and you know, and working, like working full time as a single mom and taking care of me that way. Like Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we seriously gotta try. Maybe she's a hell of a human. Though. She is, yeah. That's cool. I like. I don't even know what else to go now. I'm like, how many surgeries have you had? Um, is that a bad question? No, um, probably about seventeen. Seventeen. Seventeen or eighteen. Dude, you <laughs> Something like that. I know. <laughs> well, Chris is seriously like you're a miracle. Yeah. What time are we at, Percy? An hour. An hour. Okay. I won't keep you too much longer. I, I just, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? Can you tell us about the Facebook page? Yeah. Um, so you can go, go on to Facebook and um, my page is called My Kidney is Dying. Can I please have yours? Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I just, I wanted to keep it lighthearted and like kind of funny, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so anyways, if you can check it out and, uh, if you are interested in donating or if you just even want to read some of my story or my mom's story, um, it's all on there. Um, there's a couple websites on there, um, of what to do if you do want to donate a kidney, um, either to myself or to someone else. Um, and I believe there's a phone number on there as well there for, is. yeah, for the kidney, kidney, kidney foundation, I think. I, I'm not Something sure. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, and my lovely mother has written down step-by-step step of what to do. <laughs> um, so yeah. And what your mom wrote down is 100% how it works. Yeah. So I called the number that was on your page, oh. and I got a package in. Oh, I just got it. Of course. I Like, honestly, the chances of my liver and kidneys not being all fucked up at this point <laughs> in my life is pretty slim. <laughs> but because, like, I, I wanted to at least go through it and see what could be done. Yeah. Um, I mean, even... Like, even if you are not sure at all and you just want to know more about it, you can call them, get a package sent to you, and you can just look through it and read it. And um, I believe the package is, like, um, it's it's toward you as the donator um, and what you would be going through and everything. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's good just to read even if you just want to know more stuff. So Totally. And I mean, I, I don't know, but I, I, I have two kidneys apparently. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what my function's at or anything like that, but it's odd timing because I got the package just as my, my GP was sending me to get blood tests. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. so I have to go do all this stuff. Oh, thank you for doing that. Yeah, That's of course. Really like, you could thank me now or we could wait and then you could say, Dave's giving me his kidney. Yeah. Although, yeah. chances are good that we're going to see. Because of the morphine and all the stuff. All that everything, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I'm going to try. So, um, and I, I want to tell you that here because I want other people to try to. Oh, like, I, yeah, I, do, I really do. I think that I, we can just help each other. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And I think if we can help each other, we really should. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 
I know it's no light thing giving up a body part. But. No, it's not. And um, and I tell everybody that too, right? Because I know it's a huge decision, right? Um, and it's not a light matter. Um, and it is a lot to think about. Um, um, but uh, just so you know, because I did have someone bring it up, is, you know, they were concerned about if they donated um, one of their kidneys, how would they live their life after work yeah. with one kidney? And, um, and, and you can live your life the way you're living it today. Mm-hmm. You can do everything you're doing. You can go to the gym. You can go running. You can eat the foods you want. Like, you can have kids, you know. There's, there's nothing you can Wait, so there's, your... like, single kidney parents out there? Yeah. This is an issue for me. This yeah. is an issue. They should all have two <laughs> kidneys. <laughs> right? Yeah, they should have two kidneys, two hearts, and one heart. <laughs> okay, so like it's not going to have that kind of effect where you can't live a uh, full life. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. And I'm not promising that I'm not going to get freaked out, okay, during this process. Like, And so I'm not saying this to be like, oh, Dave's the guy. It's not what I'm saying. I fully expect to get freaked out at some point and be like, I can't do it, I can't do it. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like heavy, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And that's that's okay. Like it's like it is a scary thing. Mm-hmm. It is. Like I can not like I'm I'm used to the health scares and stuff like that. So I'm yeah. used to it. But for other people, it is scary. And it's a huge, huge deal, it right? Is. It just yeah. is. It is. Yeah. I gotta tell you, hearing your story and how much you've come through and, and been through, like, it doesn't really sound that hard. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's no kidding, I get it, but it's like, there's some, like, you've been through some shit, mm-hmm. right? And I know most of us have, we've yeah, all had our experiences has. in our lives, but yeah, there's some, there are some things that are more intense than others, right? Like, and having your bend is... That's one of those worst things. I can't even really say it when I'm getting a high-pitched voice and my leg hurts. <laughs> like every, I can see Darcy. He's oh. tightens up. Yeah, he's like, I don't even want to think about it. No. <laughs> it's, and I think as soon as you said it bent the pole, I looked at Darcy and we're both like, oh. oh, oh, my legs hurt on that one. Well, and, and I've been told because if I got metal in my back, right? Oh, so yeah. they, So you can, I know, you can, you can break it. Like you can break the rods in my in your spine too, oh. and so I've heard like my my surgeon's nurse. She's told me stories about how folks have like actually broken the rods, and then they can hear them scraping. Oh my goodness! <laughs> like you like you can actually well the person thinks they can hear it scraping, and I know what that feels oh. like because I can I know. Sorry, I'm grossing you guys. No, out. that's okay. But well, yeah, I'm getting you back actually. <laughs> like yeah. a whole hour. <laughs> But it's kind. It's kind of like every time. As soon as you mentioned the the metal, I was like, oh, because I could hear the first time Trina, my surgeon's nurse, said, "Yeah, you can break those, and they scrape, oh, and man. they pinch, and they do all." And I'm like, oh my god! Like how much agony was the person in when they came in limping in, saying to the office, saying, "I think I broke a rod." Oh, like, okay. And do you just throw them in the hospital right away and fix that shit? Oh, yeah. I think I would like pass out from the pain. Did you pass out when you broke your leg? No. Yeah. I, I screamed though. I, don't think you I would pass just out, actually. screamed. Yeah. My parents yeah. thought I was dying probably. <laughs> For sure. I could see you screaming, <laughs> oh, but yeah. I don't see you like passing out. No. Yeah. I think now like you probably go to the hospital and you're like. You okay for the surgery, Chris? You're like, yeah, I'm fine. Just go ahead. Yeah. Don't even put me out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this is, this is like bad to say. Probably as an addict. But I hope you like, say it. <laughs> <laughs> for surgeries, like they they put you to sleep, right? Uh-huh. And I'm like, and my mom thinks this is insane, but I love being put to sleep. Yeah, me too. So yeah, when there's a surgery, I'm like, oh, the surgery's fine. It'll be okay. I'm like, I just want to be put to sleep. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm looking forward to. That's what that's what I always say when, because I've had three of them on my back. Oh, and so, when beforehand, everyone's like, oh, like, it's going to be okay. I'm like, 
I'm not going to be awake for the surgery. Like, you guys are telling me, well, I hope the surgery goes okay. Yeah, I hope so too, but I'm going to be fucking sleeping. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm not asking to stay awake for this whole no. thing, right? Like, yeah, that'd be crazy. Eh? Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that just hurt my back saying that. Okay, oh, I'm yeah. sorry, back. <laughs> I was awake for my fistula surgery. They didn't, Were you? Yeah. So they, how did they do that? They didn't put you to sleep. Well, they, so they tried um, they near my wrist. What? They give you a local? Um, yeah, they yeah. give you a local, um, and they give you a little bit of, um, fentanyl mm, if you yeah. need it. Yeah. Um, so they tried on my wrist first. They yeah. like cut it open, right? Check out your veins and stuff like that. And you can Did like, you watch them? No. Oh God, I was going to no say, way. please tell me you weren't like, oh, no, God. but you can like feel like the pressure and stuff yeah. in there, right? Which is really weird. And they couldn't do it on my wrist, so they had to move up my arm and cut me open again. And it was like, it took like an hour, an hour and a half, something like that. Yeah, and I just like, I kept looking at the nurse and I'm like, no, I need more. I'm like, I need more. I really don't want to be awake for this. Yeah, no doubt. That would be really weird. Yeah, it was strange. Jesus, and and just so everyone out there is aware, like she when she says they give her fentanyl, it's not Chinese fentanyl mixed with your neighbor's meth. No, so it's just like actual medical fentanyl. Yeah, yeah. And like, some kids are like, oh my god, they give fentanyl there. Yeah, it's not Chinese fentanyl. No, like freaking cracking. Okay? No, um, it's just to put you, you yeah. know, make you sleepy. It's been a painkiller forever. Yeah, or whatever they call it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, eh? Thank you. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I think I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I'm I'm just really grateful you came in and were willing to talk. Oh, I'm super grateful that you asked me. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. It was a no-brainer, eh? Like, <laughs> once I, I mean, I just, I don't know. You and Stephen both are just interesting humans, and I, I value <laughs> you guys every time you're around. And and I'm glad that you were able to talk more than a sentence or two because me too. Well, because you're right. When you said it early on, you you don't talk very much. No, I don't. As you said it, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. What was I thinking? (laughs) And then I'm like, it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. We would like to remind you that the opinions shared are those of the individuals and not representative of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other affiliation we may share with organizations or individuals. Thank you, Wild Rose United Church, for your open-hearted giving to the community at large in a multitude of ways. You have graciously provided space and love for us to work within, and we cannot thank the staff, volunteers, and members of the church enough for all that they do each and every day. Thank you again, Darcy Robinson. As usual, your work is incredible. Thanks for donating it to us. I am not here without each of our board of directors, Trent Baker, Todd Deer, Christine Pimiskern, Heather Morigeau, Wayne Lurie, and John James. To all of the individuals who graciously donate their money and time to helping Freedom's Path become a society and now a charity, thank you. Who is Freedom's Path? We work directly with individuals and families struggling and suffering from, with addiction of all types, mental illness, codependency, and a multitude of difficulties humans bring forward as they attempt to make life-altering changes. If you are interested in attending our upcoming or future groups, being a guest on the podcast, or looking to make a donation or help in some other way, please contact us through our website, www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or find us on Facebook at Freedom's Path Recovery Society. If you are close to giving up, regardless of what your difficulty might be, please reach out to someone. You can always give up tomorrow, or maybe you won't have to. To anyone listening, imagine that your voice might be the only one someone hears inside their darkness. What is it you would like to say? As for me, I'm David Lurie, and I wish you all the best, wherever you are. Be safe and try to have some fun, because our time here is quite limited after all.